The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Business Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericabusiness.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Is your organization a talent magnet? Is your culture the envy of the business market? Top organizations need top leaders. Make sure that you are that leader. This show will ensure that you are. Welcome to I Lead, the Leadership Connection with Dr. Linda Sharkey. Leaders today are more than just results. They are about creating legacies of great people, driving winning organizations, and raising the bar for themselves and that of their teams. Now, here is your host, Dr. Linda Sharkey. Hi, I'm Linda Sharkey. I'm your host. I lead the Leadership Connection, and I'm excited to have you back again. We had a great conversation last week with uh, Jason Jennings, a leading uh, author, best-selling author, uh, wrote the book, uh, The High Speed Company, among other best-selling books. And it was a very interesting conversation because we moved into talking about women in leadership. And as you know, if you've been following the series, I'm doing... Uh, a view from the top and speaking to a number of CEOs, not only women, but what has been going on that has created such a distance between where women are in board positions, pay, and CEO positions. And I just saw today um, that 23% of the CEOs in the United States are women. But of the Fortune 500, that number drops substantially. So as I was looking through this, I saw a, a woman today who was a, who is a colonel uh, in the Marines. And what she did was really an extraordinary thing. The belief among the Marines is that women cannot do the same things that men can. And women were falling behind in terms of physical dexterity. Uh, in terms of uh, aiming and shooting. And so this woman, her name is Germano, her last name. And she took over this platoon and she increased the capability of the women in her platoon to be absolutely equal to men. And as it turns out, they ended up uh, firing her. And the reason they fired her is because they said that she was hard on her teams And to a certain extent, somewhat abusive. And then the byline said, but isn't that what the Marines does with men? So it was interesting. And the reason I bring this up is that uh, Jason Jennings said uh, in his comments about why women have perhaps not advanced as far is because many of the role models that they have are males who are in, at times, aggressive, abusive, harassers, sometimes bulliers, sometimes narcissistic, etc. I personally don't believe that, and I, I push back on him because I would not be where I am today if it wasn't for some very progressive males who reached out their hand, mentored and supported me, and pulled me up uh, through the ranks. And I've been grateful for that. So there are many great men out there uh, willing 
to help in an ever-increasing diverse marketplace. And that's the thing we need to remember. We need an inclusive and diverse marketplace and people that are willing to ensure that their cultures are inclusive. So today I have with me, I'm, I'm very excited about this, and, and the reason I asked Liz Murphy to be on my show today is that two reasons. One, she's a very successful female, obviously, CEO. And the second reason is that she runs a virtual company. So part of what I've been thinking about and what I'm uh, really focusing on are what are the workplaces going to look like in the future? in this 21st century. And one of them is going to be more virtual organizations. Clearly, in a global context, highly technology-linked, uh, leveraged, we are going to be more virtual. And there are a lot of challenges that are going along with working in virtual workplaces. And we're going to have to be much more inclusive because we're gonna have people from all walks of life so that's really why I'm so excited to have Liz and, and gain her perspective on where she sees things going. Now, Liz is the CEO of CampusWorks, which was established in 1999, and it was done to support higher education, um, particularly around technology assessments, uh, business process reviews, accreditation, helping uh, community colleges, universities, schools of higher education um, with interim leadership, etc. I went on her website and I was very impressed. Rave reviews from the from the customers. Liz joined the company in 2011. Before that, she was chief client officer of Datatel. She also uh, is a leader in the continuous quality improvement network, uh, which is kind of near and dear to my heart. Liz, you probably don't know this, but I was part of an early quality leader and part of... Uh, uh, the American Society for for um, Quality uh, Improvement, and uh, so we have a lot more in common than than uh, is just on the surface. She's on the board of the uh, Continuous Quality Improvement Network, and she's also on the board of Community College Business Officers. Liz has a bachelor's degree from the University of Scranton and a master's from the University of Maryland. And I'm just so excited to have you on the show, Liz. Thanks so much for joining me. Oh, my pleasure, Linda. So tell me a little bit. Uh, you know, I, as I said, I was very impressed with, uh, you, you know, your website on CampusWorks and the things that you're doing to support hard, higher education, which uh, clearly is something near and dear to my heart because I managed to struggle through a Ph.D., but... Tell me a little bit about Campus Works. You know what 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 excites you about Campus Works, and what makes you passionate about your company. I think what gets all of our motors running at Campus Works is the fact that we really think we can make a difference and make higher education more accessible or accessible to everyone. And the way that we do that is with a team of very senior professionals who are committed to helping colleges and universities and their leadership in particular be courageous and deal with issues that have gone unaddressed for decades in higher ed. Higher ed is a very old system, 
and as such has some very old practices and some old ways of thinking. And just like all of our businesses and organizations, this new world we're living in is challenging them to think differently and to behave differently. And so our folks provide the services and the consulting and the know-how and the experience to, to help institutions make a real big change. And when they lower their costs, it makes it more affordable for students of every walk of life to get an education. Which, of course, is, is part of your overall purpose. I, I, I was reading today, you know, the young population out there, only, 60, only about 60% don't have any more than uh, just a high school education, if that. I was kind yeah. of surprised at that figure. Obviously, you're not. And actually, I think what we're about to see, in fact, I'm confident what we're about to see is a huge change in what counts, if you will, and I'm using air quotes there, what counts as a credential going forward. You know, up to this point, it was pretty obvious that folks needed some kind of degree in order to really substantially change where they sit um, financially in the strata. In fact, there's a statistic that says if, a, if an individual gets at least an associate's degree, that's a two-year degree, by the time they're 27 years old, they will never live in poverty which is a fascinating statistic if you think about it. Um, many it people who attend the community college are far older than, than 27. What's actually happening now, though, is that businesses and organizations and some of the finest businesses in the country, Google and Apple, are hiring people without degrees. And they're saying, do you have the competencies? Do you have the natural ability? Do you have the soft skills of communication and critical decision-making that will make you a valuable member of our team? So it's fascinating because I think over the next several decades, we're really going to see a huge change, and the degree as we know it uh, will be modified in its importance going forward. That's very interesting. So what do you think that's going to do to higher education? Mm, it's sending them, it's rocking them on their heels, to be honest with you. They, they're, yeah. they're sort of saying, okay, we see that coming. How do we prepare for that? And actually the community colleges are the best prepared because they're always flexible and responsive to what's happening in their workplace because their job is to prepare society to go to work. Um, and, and to do many of the jobs um, that go unfilled in our nation and many of the, the really developed skilled jobs, you know, the technical jobs that have to happen uh, in our nation. Um, the four-year institutions are right now really trying to figure out what will their role be. Um, there will be a role for them, absolutely. In fact, Stanford has done a beautiful job of envisioning uh, 2025 and what will their university be like and what will education be like and and how will students end up directing their own programs. Um, but it will take a brave leader uh, to really drive this change forward in the institutions. And, and frankly, students just won't go um, where they're not going to be offered this kind of option. Uh, because it, it, you know, businesses want it, and if and it's expensive to get a degree now. So there's a lot of conversation right now about how expensive and unaffordable 
higher education is um, because of the large loans that students are taking out, et cetera, and then they're not necessarily getting employed at a rate to be able to keep up with that. So the business community is kind of pushing on the educational community saying, you need to find an alternative because we need a skilled labor force and we need you to provide it, but we can't continue to provide it at the rates, at the costs that you're charging. Yeah. And then, then the, the, the higher education becomes really an elitist thing, that only those yes. people that can afford it uh, can get it, which, of course, perpetuates the, uh, you know, the distance between those who make a lot of money and those that don't in the poverty level. Very exactly. And so, so when you ask what, what gets us excited at Campus Works, the folks on our team love the idea that we're focused on not letting that happen by making education more accessible in the ways that we do our work. We're really hoping to stave off that um, elitist uh, kind of direction that we may be heading. Yeah, I think that's really... An- Incredible. I I I also uh, was tracking Schultz, you know, the uh, CEO of Stamp, uh, Stanford of uh, Starbucks, and he started an initiative uh, around getting uh, high school students jobs, apprenticeships, internships, and created a coalition with some other companies like Walmart, which who has all of a sudden gotten some religion around some of uh, yeah. workplace practices, <laughs> <Yeah>. but. <laughs> It's amazing what the inability to retain people will do to uh, your thinking, right? That's true. Um, so, Liz, I, I wanted to ask you, um, what has your journey been like to the top? It, it, you know, I, I love that question. Um, I've been asked it so many times by um, young people who say, look, I really, would you be my mentor? I, I want to know the steps I need to take. And, and my answer is that the step you need to take is to do the job you have today at 120%. That is the first step. Um, so uh, I was fortunate, as you were, Linda, you mentioned that you had some very progressive um, male mentors. I had stupendous mentors uh, as I came up. I didn't realize they were mentors at the time. In fact, sometimes I wondered um, if they were killing me or making me stronger. Um, but what I yeah, had was me too. A, a, exactly right. You kind of wonder what what's really happening here. And what was fascinating is that each one of those mentors that I had challenged me in a way that I didn't expect. And so. Each job that I had, I was passionate about. I understood the end result I was trying to create for an audience, a constituency, um, not, not so much a boss as much as it was the people we served. And then I just saw no boundaries to what, what my roles and responsibilities were, which was always met with great um, joy by, by my supervisors. One of the things I counsel younger people about is that they, they really want a very tight box around what it is they do. Um, and as they strive for greater work-life balance than uh, those in my generation 
have lived with, you know, uh, that they're saying, I really want to know, when do I get to go home? Do I always have weekends? Am I going to be interrupted? And in the world I grew up on, you were just very responsive. I, I found balance, but I made balance at odd times in that process. That's right. so, Liz, we're at break. So I'm going to stop you there and uh, stay with us. We're talking to Liz Murphy, CEO of CampusWorks, and we're going to be talking more about this topic of balance and working outside that box. Thanks, Liz. Stay with us. Dr. Linda Sharkey promotes fact-based solutions for global organizations and leaders that are known to drive business success. Do you want to put the wow in your talent practices? How about a spring in your leadership approaches? Coaching and leadership development are proven methods that, if done right, really do make good leaders great. If you want a no-nonsense, practical approach that will enable you to compete anywhere in the world with measurable results, contact Linda today. Visit lindasharkey.com. Again, that's lindasharkey.com. If you hear a dog barking or an angel singing, then you know that you are listening to Waking Up in America. Heard every Wednesday at 3 Pacific Time, Valerie Kirkard and all of her friends will bring you powerful and humorous discussions that raise thoughts and give you insight on how to live your life to its fullest potential. Adventure is always a must on Waking Up in America with Valerie Kirkard every Wednesday at 3 Pacific. You've heard of good things coming in packages. Well, maybe there's a little more to that saying, but when you think about it, packaging is one of the most important things that can represent your business. Tune in to Ditch the Box with host David Marinak. Each week, we'll discuss flexible packaging, marketing, sales, and how it all comes together in one container. Lower costs, increase margins, listen to the show. It might just save you a ton. Ditch the Box is heard live every Wednesday at 3 p.m. Eastern Time, noon Pacific, on Voice America Business. You are tuned in to I Lead, the Leadership Connection. To speak to Dr. Linda Sharkey or her guest, please call in to 1-866-472-5790. That's 1-866-472-5790. Or you can tweet the show at hashtag iLeadTLC. We'd also love to hear from you by email. The email address is radio at lindasharkey.com. Now, back to iLead, the leadership connection. Welcome back. I'm Linda Sharkey, your host of iLead, the leadership connection. And with me today is Liz Murphy, the CEO of CampusWorks, a really inspiring organization trying to help higher education really transform and morph itself into what it needs to be uh, in this, this, these, to support the com- coming generations. So Liz was talking, we were talking about her career and um, how she counsels people, what it was like to get to the top. And we were talking about you know, asking the question, well, what time do I leave and what time do I have to start and sort of working beyond the boundaries. Can you expand on that, Liz? So interesting. Sure. I think, 
you know, if you think about work as it's such a huge part of, of our lives, such a huge part of the hours we spend every week. And so if you can be passionate about what, it's, what you're doing and see not only a benefit for your employer but a personal benefit, I find that your performance um, is accelerated quite significantly. And it's easier for you to find balance because you find – you have ne- you're naturally curious about reading more about what it is you're doing or reading. Most of what I read is uh, nonfiction because I'm constantly trying to learn something new, a new way to approach something, a new way to communicate with my team, a new way to help a customer get over a problem. And so um, I think what's at the core uh, of, of balance and, and beyond boundaries is really having a passion for what it is you do. And I appreciate that not everybody has that luxury. But I think if you can stay focused on what it is you're good at, what your strengths are, and where time flies when you're having fun, and you focus on getting a job in that area, you're going to your career is just going to be on quite the trajectory. Yeah, I forget who said it, but you know, if you work for what you love, you never work a day in your life. Mm-hmm. And I, I think that's really true. That's really true. So what were some of the challenges? You know, I mentioned uh, what Jason Jennings, whom I love, brilliant thinker, uh, interviewed over uh, uh, 11,000 CEOs around the world, is just, you know, really understands how organizations tick. But what are some of the challenges uh, as a woman in leadership? What do you think happens there? And I'm not sure I totally believe that, you know, we just had bad role models. I don't believe that at all, actually. <laughs> I really don't. I do think there there are two things for me personally. I can speak for myself. Um, I never really felt any any gender boundaries until um, I was at the C level uh, of an organization, and and then I started to notice, particularly as we had a new crew of financial investors. I started noticing I was the only woman at the table a lot of the time. Yeah. And it, it became curious to me as to why that was the case. And, and then I was faced with a very challenging situation um, where um, uh, I, our CEO um, had actually passed away on the job. And, um, and, and, uh, he hadn't told me for sure I was the person moving into that role. And I was quite surprised when I did not move into that role. And as I thought a lot about that very difficult time for me and what my decisions would be, I realized that I never came right out and asked for the job. I assumed I guess I, I, I assume to a large degree I would get the job because of the cues he was sending me and because my performance had been exemplary. By the numbers were where they needed to be, the satisfaction from clients, the satisfaction from my staff, the contributions I was making corporately. So I just figured the work would speak for itself. And that is the, I would say, the number one mistake women make. Um, I had a very, very good coach um, some years ago who said to me, um, you have to understand that men typically are very specific about what they want, and they will say it out loud. You have to get comfortable with saying it out loud. Most yeah, that's very lesson. true. I mean, I have heard that uh, from so many women, and in fact, you know, I've felt fallen prey to that myself. 
where you just assume that people are going to see you and say, oh, well, she's going to be great for the job. Let's give it to her. And, you know, I've interviewed so many executives around the world for senior positions. Men always ask for the job and men always believe they can do the job. And women are always a little bit, well, I'm not sure I have all the skills, you know, a little bit more hesitant. So it's a great observation. And I think that, you know, um, what, ha- what you have to be prepared for is when a woman does ask for fair compensation, uh, I did battle on that one multiple times, um, not so much fair as, but I don't know what everybody else was making, but I know what I thought I deserved. And so I would have the difficult conversations, even when I was younger in my career, to say, why are you? I had one boss who would fold up my compensation review into a tiny two-by-two square and slide it across the desk. He was that uncomfortable talking about money. And, Jeez. Um, and, and Yeah, and my attitude was, Look, we're in a contract relationship. You're paying me to do a job. I'm expected to do the job. Why are we acting like talking about money isn't part of this arrangement? <laughs> uh, I, you know, I, I'm not on a nonprofit board when I'm working for you. I do that in my spare time, right? So, right. Um, and when you do query men about and you push back on what they put out in front of you as a woman, I can say they are stymied. They become, they, except for a rare circumstance, they really are taken aback because we haven't created as women the space where they've come to expect that. Yeah. So we're the surprise. When you do speak up, you're surprising them. And you have to be prepared for that response, and you have to let that be their issue. And your issue is getting what you need to keep moving forward. Yeah, that's really, I mean, that's like Sheryl Sandberg's. Lean in. You know, you got to yep. lean in and you got to ask for it and you got to be clear about what your worth is. Absolutely. So, um, so I, I, did, the, the next one, you became the CEO of, of um, Campus Works. What did you learn from that last experience that sort of helped you in your <laughs> negotiations with Campus Works? I will tell you, my, my board of directors at Campus Works is. Fantastic. They are a dream. They have kept every promise that they made to me before I agreed to come on board. And, um, and, and the chairman of the board um, spoke to me for uh, just about a year before I joined the company and, and said yes. But I will say that even during the time when we were negotiating my coming on board, um, I was not afraid to push back. I was not afraid to say, this is, this is what I need. This is how I think it needs to be. Um, this is the balance. I will, I will say, though, that, and I'm going to say as a woman, because I think it's true, as a woman, I have a way to deliver the message in a way that's a lot easier to hear than I think some of my male counterparts. And that is a huge advantage um, in asking for what the company needs and asking for what I need in, in talking to my clients and making sure that we're on the same page and that I get them what they want and that their needs are taken care of. Um, so it, it's been a, a really remarkable experience to be unburdened and say, you know what, if I don't ask, I'm not, I'm not going to get it. Um, and growing up as right. a, uh, my first job was as an educational fundraiser. So I learned how to ask for money. So if, if you couldn't figure out how to ask somebody f- to make a donation, um, 
you were out of business. So that was good training for, for the role I'm in now. It sure was. It sure was. Well, I, you know, what I hear you saying is being very clear on expectations and needs on both sides, the employer, the employee, the customer, etc. So I think that's great. That's good advice. T- tell me, Liz, uh, we're about uh, two minutes from break, but what was one of the biggest defining moments for you as a leader? You know, that really stretched you that where you said, wow. I was, it was suggested, um, I was moved, I moved into a new area of managing the company and our performance was strong, but it wasn't at the rate that the new owners wanted to see. And they offered me a coach and they said, this person's going to help you. And I thought, wow, is that, I wonder if that's a bad thing. And I decided that I would embrace it, and it was the single best decision I made probably in my career. Um, And why was was that? Um, I First of all, I learned from a man who had four decades more experience than I did. Um, I learned what I was doing well, and I was open to learning how to do better, how to systematize the work that came naturally to me, how to make it repeatable, and how to make everyone around me more successful. And so the willingness to be open to that coaching was really a defining moment for me. And instead of being threatened by it, 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 it turned out to be a, a really a fantastic um, opportunity for me, and it, and it did wonders for my organization as well. Now that's good. As a, as a coach, that's music to my ears. But actually, my <laughs> research says that, you know, for leaders, coaching, uh, you know, a good coach is really one of the best things you can have as a professional development opportunity. So it's, it's, it's really great to hear that. Uh, you know, Liz, we're coming up in about uh, 30 seconds on our next break. But, uh, you know, you're running a completely virtual company. And, uh, you know, as I said before in the intro, I, I, I think that this is, first of all, many big global companies like I worked in, you know, you never saw the people that you uh, were working with. Um, they were all over the world. And there are some, un- some unique uh, and inherent challenges with that. So let's quickly start the conversation in 30 seconds. But um, at, a, at a high level, what is, what is the biggest challenge working virtually? Changing a culture or creating a culture. The company that I inherited, wow. yeah, I would say that I inherited a 12-year-old startup. That's <laughs> what I would say. Wow. Uh, there's a lot of good and valid reasons for that. But creating a culture from afar is very challenging. But I will say, uh, as we go to break, that there, uh, I found employees very excited to be part of making a culture. And so they've been very receptive to making it happen. Great. Well, let's talk about that. Stay with us. We're at break. Uh, We're talking to Liz uh, Murphy from CampusWorks. Culture will be our next topic. Do you need 
you directions to solid financial future? If so, the Money Answers Show with Jordan Goodman will provide you with a roadmap to making smart money decisions in every area of your personal finances. Join Jordan every Monday at 12 p.m. Pacific Standard Time, 3 p.m. Eastern for the Money Answers Show on the Voice America Business Channel. Learn how and where to get the best deals on mortgages, cars, and insurance. Find out the best ways to save for college and retirement. Get out of debt, improve your credit rating, and save on your taxes. The Money Answers Show with Jordan Goodman will provide you with great tips on investment opportunities in real estate, stocks, annuities, and other investment vehicles. That's the Money Answers Show with Jordan Goodman on the Voice America Business Channel every Monday at 12 p.m. Pacific Standard Time. Dr. Linda Sharkey promotes fact-based solutions for global organizations and leaders that are known to drive business success. Do you want to put the wow in your talent practices? How about a spring in your leadership approaches? Coaching and leadership development are proven methods that, if done right, really do make good leaders great. If you want a no-nonsense, practical approach that will enable you to compete anywhere in the world with measurable results, contact Linda today. Visit lindasharkey.com. Again, that's lindasharkey.com. If you hear a dog barking or an angel singing, then you know that you are listening to Waking Up in America. Heard every Wednesday at 3 Pacific Time, Valerie Kirkard and all of her friends will bring you powerful and humorous discussions that raise thoughts and give you insight on how to live your life to its fullest potential. Adventure is always a must on Waking Up in America with Valerie Kirkard every Wednesday at 3 Pacific. You are tuned in to I Lead, the Leadership Connection. To speak to Dr. Linda Sharkey or her guest, please call in to 1-866-472-5790. That's 1-866-472-5790. Or you can tweet the show at hashtag iLeadTLC. We'd also love to hear from you by email. The email address is radio at lindasharkey.com. Now... Back to I Lead, the Leadership Connection. Welcome back. I'm Linda Sharkey, your host, and with me today is Liz Murphy from the CEO from CampusWorks. And we're having a great discussion about virtual companies, virtual organizations, leading virtually. And I asked Liz what was her biggest challenge. And you know, it's interesting because even bricks and mortar companies, their biggest challenge is uh, organizational culture, but changing culture from afar. Um, really where you don't have an opportunity to have people sitting there face to face with each other and where people, you know, don't have a chance to really hang out at the water cooler, quote unquote, so to speak. Liz, you mentioned you have a 12 year old startup. So tell me, how did you go about changing the culture from a, from afar in a 12 year old startup? I, I love that expression. I'd like to know why you <laughs> used that. Well, you know, the, the, the um, man who founded Campus Works, um, it's now going on 16 years ago. Um, he started it as kind of a hobby. He had already had several successful businesses. So his ideas for the company were different than when a new CEO comes in and says, oh, I see a lot of growth opportunities. You know, I'm, I'm still well into my career. I wasn't ready to slow it down. So first of all, you have to prepare the employees to understand exactly what the differences are between what they were experiencing before and what they're going to experience. And and the way we – we have a very high-touch virtual company. I know that sounds kind of crazy, but we might not have a physical office, but we make it a point to connect with each other 
in the smallest of ways, birthday and anniversary cards, uh, quarterly employee, all-employee webinars, an annual meeting um, and that is held um, for several days where everyone is invited to participate and, and see each other face-to-face and really get rejuvenated and some other in-person meetings that occur during the course of the year. And it's those times and the inner intermittent communications and newsletters, et cetera, that really eke out and constantly reinforce a culture we agreed to create together. So the first thing is set a stage in the first year and show people that you're not running the same kind of business you were before, and some people are uncomfortable with that, so you have to help them to see the value connect all the dots, constantly connect the dots. And then the next step we took was we, at one of our all-hands meetings, we had everybody come together and we defined the guiding principles by which we would run the company. Um, We also established success factors. Our success factors are awesome people with an awesome purpose, using awesome methods to deliver awesome outcomes. And, you know, we have I some- loved that. I saw that on your website. I thought that that was really, really cool. And I loved your guiding principles. It's clear you didn't hire a consultant to write those. No, we really thought that, you know what, this has to come from us. And we, we tripped all over ourselves about how PhDs who read our vision card would feel about seeing the word awesome. And we decided, you know what? We didn't want a regular word because we're not a regular company. And so when you have discussions like that, it does help to create a culture. And now our culture, our 360-degree feedback is all based on our guiding principles and on the success factors. So the behaviors, you'll you'll read this in so many books, but the reality is if you keep tying the behaviors back to what you expect, and it's not just about – the technical aspects of your job, you can really create a culture that's incredibly powerful. And I will tell you, this team, they they give more than anybody could possibly expect. So in four years, we're now four times the size. And wow. the other way we create that enthusiasm is that they all share in a profit-sharing program. So Everybody contributes throughout the year, and everybody makes sacrifices throughout the year, and we celebrate everyone's successes and contributions. And then when we look at the score, and the score is good, everybody gets to share in that. And that that goes a long way toward reinforcing the culture uh, from afar. Yeah, that's that's a... That's a that's a very big piece. I, I do hear you saying, though, you do create and orchestrate some face-to-face meetings, and I, I do think that that's important, and the research has reinforced that people do need to connect emotionally and physically with others, you know, to get that sense of energy, and when they do that, then they're able to go back to their virtual experience and, and carry that energy on, so I think that's really brilliant. You know, I love something else, too, on your website. Go boldly into the future. Mm-hmm. What a great statement. <laughs> Where did that come from? We uh, we talk a lot about courage in, in our company, and we talk about the courage and the little boost we give to our clients. Our clients are college and university presidents and chancellors, and they're people who don't who often operate alone. I mean, they have huge teams, but but their jobs are lonely, and they have to make some really difficult decisions, particularly in this environment, right? And so um, we can't be afraid to stand behind what 
we know is an informed uh, perspective that will improve the institution. So it means having the difficult conversation and telling the client when things aren't going as well as they're, they think they're going. It means sometimes firing a customer, which we've had to do twice in the four years I've been CEO. Um, we do it very compassionately, but sometimes when you see that success isn't going to be mutual. You have to have a conversation and say, look, I don't, I, this isn't going the way we thought it was going to go. And even though that has a financial impact, if you're true to your guiding principles and you use those as kind of your North Star, um, your company will thrive even if you hit a little you know, speed bump along the way. And demonstrating those things to your employees, I think, is critical because it says yeah, we really do mean this. It's not just something we put on a card and we say, and it's on our website. It, this is how we run our organization. So. Yeah. And, and the, the great companies that we've all studied, when they have guiding principles like that, they reinforce them and they live according to them, they, they sustain their greatness. They really do. It's when they lose that true north that they start floundering. Uh, you know, it's interesting because what you're saying is so interesting as it relates to what you do in the bigger picture, because what you're saying is that, you know, if people can live and embody those gu guiding principles, they can learn the technical skills that they need to do the job. So really hiring for certain behavioral and personal attributes is much more important. Absolutely true. And we, we place a lot of very, very highly technical folks. And what distinguishes the people we hire from those we don't has nothing to do with their technical ability. It's yeah. all of what the world would call the soft skills. It's right. the ability to really connect and relate. It's funny, we're a virtual company, but our, our clients would distinguish us as being a company that's there with them on site. So a lot of our work, I would say 80% of our work is delivered at the college or university campus. And that's very wow. different. Many of our... Yep competitors are delivering those services from afar and that doesn't help to make change doesn't help transition yeah. and uh, doesn't help the change be um, the sustainability of the change that goes as it goes forward yep and I like the word transition because you know you say to change you say change to people and that evokes fear and we yes. know from studying the brain that evokes fear. And but transition is a different thing. We're all always in some form or fashion of transition. So I would like to ask you. I mean, I, this this comes up a lot in my own experience uh, when you talk about virtual or global situations. You know, how do you hold leaders accountable for the values or the guiding principles of the company? And how do you monitor performance? It's a great. Um Great question. Um, we, we find that actually to be very, very easy because each and every day we are with our, uh, our employees are with our customers. Uh, we usually have teams of people at the customer site and they're living and breathing what's happening there. And the institution success is absolutely a, a result and we're a contributing factor to their success. So you can see when things are going well and not going well. As a management and leadership team, we are very driven by uh, metrics and, and action plans, and, and yet we have a very hmm, – we have an older workforce because we hire very seasoned people, 
and um, life happens to them. So many of them are taking care of, uh, as an example, sick parents, uh, significant others who are ill, etc. So I mention that because we've just gone through an interesting time where a lot of our senior leaders have been out, and we've asked them to just go out, take care of your families, deal with it, and everybody rallied around the accountability of our key measures. About every 90 days, we establish a critical few, and we hold each other accountable for those critical few, no excuses. So we don't, unless there's a huge reason for us to move off course, we stay focused on those critical few. And if, if a team member has to step out to deal with issues, real family issues, as has happened recently, we allow them to step out so that when they come back, they're refreshed and they feel like, I've taken care of what I need to take care of, and now I can be fully participate in what's going on. And everybody else knows we have their back if that has to happen. So accountability really has to focus first on what is it you're trying to get done. And if you can't be specific about, I say, what's on the plate and what's coming off the plate, you can't hold people accountable. So it's really the leader's job to define that, to say what's in scope, what's out of scope, or as I say, on the plate, off the plate, and then hold people to that and, and connect why it's important. And yeah. I find when you give people context, they'll run with it. Yeah, I think that that's absolutely so true. So I think we are coming up uh, on our next uh, and final break here, Liz. And I, I want to ask you a, a couple other questions before we uh, cut out today. Um, I have a question in from the field that has been emailed in from uh, a young woman in higher education. Um, so stay with us. We're talking to Liz Murphy. CEO of CampusWorks, and a really great discussion around the role of guiding principles and values in the organization and being very clear about expectations. And a lot of us are not. Makes a big difference. What if every day was a good day for business? Because every decision you made was the best choice. What if you could receive regular input from credible sources and could acquire all the precise information you need, exactly when you need it, so you can make the right decision every single time? Because There's More challenges you to make better decisions. Join Laura Ellis every Monday at 9 a.m. Eastern, 6 a.m. Pacific, and 2 p.m. GMT on the Voice America Business Channel and learn how to think differently for better decisions, better business. Effective leadership is what will propel the world, organizations, and businesses through a range of dynamic changes. How do you keep up with these changes, build skills, and lead effectively? Listen for Innovative Leaders Driving Thriving Organizations with Maureen Metcalf. Maureen offers tools and engaging guests who are leaders in their field. With each week, you'll work on and improve your skills to lead with confidence and drive your organization's success. Tune in every Tuesday at 2 p.m. Eastern Time, 11 a.m. Pacific on Voice America Business. Dr. Linda Sharkey promotes fact-based solutions for global organizations and leaders that are known to drive business success. Do you want to put the wow in your talent practices? How about a spring in your leadership approaches? Coaching and leadership development are proven methods that, if done right, 
really do make good leaders great. If you want a no-nonsense, practical approach that will enable you to compete anywhere in the world with measurable results, contact Linda today. Visit lindasharkey.com. Again, that's lindasharkey.com. You are tuned in to I Lead, the Leadership Connection. To speak to Dr. Linda Sharkey or her guest, please call in to 1-866-472-5790. That's 1-866-472-5790. Or you can tweet the show at hashtag iLeadTLC. We'd also love to hear from you by email. The email address is radio at lindasharkey.com. Now, back to iLead, the Leadership Connection. Welcome back. Uh, I'm your host, Linda Sharkey, and we're in our final discussion with Liz Murphy, CEO of CampusWorks, a really innovative company around helping our, uh, higher education transition to what next role it's going to play in helping people have productive work lives, which I actually think is a great thing. What an exciting thing to be able to work on. So, Liz, we have an uh, email in from a young woman. Her name is Parit. She's from Texas. And she wants to give three pieces of advice for aspiring leaders. What are three things that you know she as an aspiring leader really must do? Wow, you could, this could be a whole separate segment, uh, Linda. So I would say uh, <laughs> the, first, <laughs> the first principle that, um, that I live by is being a servant leader. So I, I rarely mm. end a call with someone on my team without saying, now what is it that I can do for you? Um, and, and I think your behavior becomes a mirror of the behavior you can expect to see from your team. And um, when I step out of the lines and I don't behave as well as I should, I'm, I also, this is number two, I also let the team see my vulnerability. Um, that is a place where I think women have a distinction in that they're sometimes more willing to let their teams see their vulnerable side. Um, that, in my opinion, is a secret weapon for us. Um, showing your vulnerability to a point, to a point, it's balance. Um, but saying, you know what, I don't know that answer. I'm really counting on you for that or um, I'm really relying on your expertise there because I'm not the expert there. Um, or saying, look, guys, I got behind the eight ball and I, and I, I should have dealt with that. Let me tell you how we're going to correct for it now. Um, it really builds a sense of, of loyalty and trust uh, that you just can't buy and that will carry your organization through in ways you can't imagine. And then the third, the third piece of advice I would have uh, follows our last segment, which is be very clear about what you're trying to accomplish. Um, I, I have worked for a number of people that I, I respected a great deal but who were very unclear about what they wanted to accomplish. And when I say that, I mean you have to look at the capability and capacity of your organization, and you have to trim your expectations to something that is doable. You know, I'm a big sky thinker, so we push the envelope all the time, and we think big. We have big, hairy, audacious goals, like Jim Collins says. But I'm always mindful of not 
not running a marathon before we've learned to crawl. I mean, we you've got to be fair. If you create expectations and a list of critical few that are not at all possible, your team will give up before they start. Yeah, it really creates burnout. Those are three fabulous pieces of advice. And I do think you're right. I think women do have the edge on vulnerability, though I've seen many men show that empathy uh, and an ability to, uh, uh, you know, show that vulnerable side. But I think women do. It is the secret sauce that women have for sure. Mm-hmm. So thank you, Liz. Thank you so much for being with me today. It's just been a delight talking with you. And um, since we do live near each other, we do have to get together for lunch one of these days. I would love that. I would love to. Thank you, Linda. It's been great having you on. Thank you. And Next week, we're going to be having Margaret Keene, CEO of Synchrony Financial. Again, a uh, totally uh, uh, new organization. It's a uh, technology-driven bank. Uh, No tellers, no bricks and mortar. Uh, They work through 300,000 partners around the United States and Canada. Margaret is an engaging leader. She's somebody that I have worked with personally. And, uh, you know, speaking about vulnerability, Margaret is able to show that. Um, She speaks about what she does to develop people. And when I asked her what she was most excited and most passionate about in her job, it really was about developing others and seeing others grow in in their careers. And that is what made her so excited and, and so fulfilled. So Margaret is going to be on next week and they're coming up on their first year uh, as an IPO. They were the 13, uh, third largest IPO in 2014. The valuation of the company is something like $28 billion. Um, so it's probably equivalent to uh, perhaps a 250 Fortune 500 company. And again, a wonderful woman leadership um, works on the basis of principles, values. One of the first things that she did was really define purpose for her organization. So we're talking to Margaret, and then we're going to be having uh, Vijay Tajaran from um, Genpak, and he started from 50 people, a huge outsourcing company from around the world. And why I like Tiger, as we call him, because he has a... Uh, a difficult to pronounce last name, which I probably just slaughtered, but I've known Tiger for a very long time. And Tiger runs a totally diverse, totally global company and has had a number of challenges in really building that company to be the powerhouse that he is. And the man is just voracious about customer focus and has really organized his company around, um, what I call really interesting, no real headquarters per se. You know, the company is kind of organized around where the customers are. And again, like Liz was saying, has people that work actually are more embedded in their customers than they are actually with with their organization. And then Margaret comes back and we're going to be talking about innovation. She's done a brilliant thing, which is why I asked her for a second show in creating these innovation stations. And situations where people from all walks uh, collaborate to make changes and they invite their customers into the innovation stations. They go actually to their customers and look at how their customers use their uh, technology, use their services, and then adapt 
from there. So it's been a brilliant uh, kind of learning experience. Great women speaking uh, and, and great leaders with very consistent leadership lessons. Then we're moving into a series which I think is going to be very fascinating, and that's what's the workplace look like in 2025? What what are human resource people going to be doing? What are organizations going to be doing? What are the leadership challenges that are going to be there? And Liz touched on that today, a great virtuality, the whole notion of culture, the whole notion of behaviors and values versus technical competencies, um, all of those kinds of things, which... What does it mean that we're going to have to think differently? As Liz says, help higher education transition. What are we going to need to do as leaders in the field of organizational development? What are we going to need to think about to counsel and coach companies so that they can transition to what that next edge is and stay competitive, sustainable, and relevant? So I look forward to having you on future shows and uh, great discussions. Thanks again for joining Thank you for listening to this week's edition of I Lead, The Leadership Connection. Please join Dr. Linda Sharkey again for another show next Thursday at 2 p.m. Pacific Time, 5 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Business Channel. Have a successful week. Thanks again for listening to the preceding program brought to you on the Voice America Business Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericabusiness.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the preceding program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management.